Welcome to The Peg Doesn't Fit, the podcast that brings you the change makers in education. Tune in to hear from educational leaders who aren't content with the status quo educational model and are blazing their own path. Hey, Peg Changers. Guess what, folks? Eric is back, at least for this show. Uh, we welcome Eric Steven back on the show, former co-host and hopefully returning future co-host to the show. Uh, he talked about how teaching is impossible with relationships. That's a quote he, well, it's his quote, but it's a statement he made when we were talking off podcast uh, before it started and, and we were planning as to what the content would be. And I was really struck by that because it's so true. And we get into that a little bit, uh, talk about where he's been uh, for the last while and even more. So stick around and find out why teaching is impossible without relationships with Eric Steven. Welcome to The Peg Doesn't Fit. I am super excited today because we, that's Eric and me, are back together again today, at least for this episode and hopefully some in the future. But Eric's back with us, and uh, we're going to talk about relationships in the classroom, how important they are um, as we build those as teachers, admins, whoever you are as a staff in a school building. And so let's get right to it. Uh, welcome, Eric. Tell us a little bit about your role shift. You've been gone from us for a while. Tell I us have about been. <clears throat> Thanks for having me on, Ryan. You know, I've been listening to your episodes and uh, and kind of getting the itch again and thought that it would be good to come on and, and say hi. Apologize to all of our listeners that used to tune in exclusively to hear me. <laughs> I, I left you with Ryan, but uh, but I am back for an episode. And, uh, you know, and Ryan said I do kind of have a, a mild shift in position. You know, I hit a little hiccup in my life last April and kind of dropped off the world and am currently in rebuild mode. So I am now teaching elementary special education. And let me tell you, it is a new experience for me, but I'm kind of starting to settle in and, and halfway like it. Not halfway. I mean, I do like it. I look forward to going to school. I like those little kids. Different like scenery. For me. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I, it occurred to me, I actually never even shared that I had a role shift in all the episodes. I don't think what, <laughs> I don't think I even mentioned it. So last year I was the administrator and you were the teacher and now you're the administrator and I'm the teacher. That's, that's right. Life has a funny way of working out. Well, yes. congratulations, Ryan, on your position. I know that was super exciting for you and it's something you've been working on for a while. And I was really happy to see that it worked out for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's been a, a huge uh, learning curve and I've been wanting to text you about every day with a question about how do you do this? How do you do this? Because there's so much to it. Um, so let's talk about relationships. Uh, I'm actually, well, I'll start. I had questions in order. I've thought about changing it up a little bit, but I'll stick with the order. I'm I flexible. Thought. Whatever you want to do. You're the host. Well, then I'm going to jump to my last one because I think it's a good framework for everything. You texted me recently and said, teaching is impossible without relationships, which is actually what I want to title this episode because I just love that phrase. So 
tell tell us what does that mean to you? Well, you know, I was thinking about that. I didn't realize that's what I told you when I texted you about coming back on the show. But because when I was reading your question, I was thinking, I don't know if it's impossible. Like, for instance, my son goes to a parochial high school mm-hmm. and <clears throat> excuse me, if his teachers just show up and give stuff for them to do and never build a relationship, they're going to do it and they're going to be fine. In my school, and in most inner city schools, I would say, I can't get them to do anything unless I, um, I don't, I don't want to say unless I have a relationship with them, but it's so important that, that I have that relationship with them because when I say, okay, let's do this, and they all say no, you know, because I do work at a, at a behavioral challenge school, um, I can't combat that no with a uh, conversation with them unless they like me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm not saying, I mean, I'm, I'm never one of those guys that's going to give candy and bribe somebody, but there's got to be some interaction, some back and forth interaction and some give and take to get my kids to move in the direction that I want them to get to move in. Um, until I was able to set like my first day in that classroom, my gosh, I mean, I, I couldn't get them to do nothing you know, cause they were so mad that, that, that I was the new teacher and their old teacher was gone. So it took me a minute to establish some trust and uh, to establish some routines that, that, that they were okay with and really put some structure into place, but they wouldn't have accepted any of that if I hadn't talked to them, like they were little human beings and, mm-hmm. um, and tried to get them to, um, so I wasn't trying to get them to like me, but, but I think they do like me. I mean, they come up and give me hugs now. Sure. Mr. Steven, hi, I missed you. I'm like, yeah, I missed you too. Well, I think that bit. when we say the word like, when we say the word like, even, I think that um, it gets a little misconstrued. Like you said, you're not passing out candy or anything, but all all it really takes is for for you to just reach out and t- check in with them. How, how's life or give them a funny nickname that resonates with who they are as a person or, or whatever that is. And that doesn't mean they're like, they expect that you're easy on them or anything like that. They just have a connection with well, you, which is huge. here's a simple example. Like I got, I got one of my kids loves math, but hates reading, yeah. you know? So I got to be kind of tricky and, and how I transition him into that reading because I, I know, but I also know what he likes too. And I know what he'll get started with. And if I didn't invest the time to really get to know him and to understand kind of how he clicks, mm-hmm. then I may have never figured out how to, to get him to do what I need him to do. But um, for whatever reason, the kid, he, we get along great and, and, we're not best friends, but, but we do talk. Um, and I think, I think that's the biggest, the most important thing in the world is talking to those kids and getting to know them on a personal level. Sure. And um, it's amazing that how my classroom has progressed and what I'm able to do with the kids based off of my understanding of who they are as people. Sure. So combining a little bit of I want you to speak broader now, I guess, um, about all teachers, so to speak. Um, 
you feel like, I would assume you feel like it's critical to classroom management. That's what I'm hearing you say. Um, but thinking as a, an, an administrator in your administrator brain and your teacher brain, tell us like that classroom management role that relationship building plays and why, I guess, what, what would you say to somebody like me? How do I tell teachers the why of classroom management? How do you tell your fellow teachers the why of classroom management? Yeah. And it's not, you know, thinking about that question, I mean, yes, relationships are super important, but if I, if I get along well with my kids and we have good conversations and I don't have like any structure, yeah. then, then it doesn't matter. Right. They're, they're, they're not going to do anything. So I think structure is equally as important, probably a little bit more important is to have that, that general routine. Now take, keep in mind, I'm teaching elementary school. So, you know, I've got them for like four hours straight. And I have to figure out how to, to transition from one activity to another. But I try to use a similar routine each day. Now, within those little blocks of time that I have built in, I, I shift. Maybe the activities might shift. But for the most part, the routine is the same every day. So they know exactly what to expect. You know, I've also I also have a paraeducator and I understand that not everybody has that. And, and so for you people that are out there listening and saying, I don't have a para and get ready to turn this off. I mean, I get it. Para educator is helpful, but keep in mind, I'm working with some really challenging kids. I mean, these are the, the students that aren't successful at regular education buildings and they come to my building. But um, so having that structure in place is super important. And, and the communication with the, with the paraeducator, if you do have a para, I remember as an administrator, I'd walk around and I'd see the para just kind of sitting in the back of the room and the teacher teaching. And I'd always go up and talk to para, like, hey, you need to get up and walk around, you know. And, and I'd always tell the teacher, I'm like, tell your para what to do, plan for them. I mean, if my para is gone, like my, my ship is sunk. You know, because every single day I know that during this time block, the paraeducator is working with A, B and C student and I'm working with these students and I might have some other students working individually, but that's all planned. And if my para is gone, then then my ship is sank. So what I tell what I would be telling teachers is make sure you're communicating with paraeducators. I mean, here's the deal. My experience with paras outside of just a very slim margin, they'll do anything you ask them to do. Yeah. You just have to ask them to do it. So, so having that structure and then the relationship piece comes in this, when the kid starts misbehaving, you got to not take it personally. And I know that's so hard to, it's easy to say and necessarily hard to do, but if you communicate with that child and kind of truly understand why it is they're doing what they're doing, then there's usually a very simple solution that, that you can implement to get them to do what you want to do. But so often, and, and I get it, you got lots of kids, you don't have time to have these conversations and, and it gets overwhelming and we just want to kick them out. But I think just taking that time and investing it and having a conversation with the child it goes a long way because a lot of times they, they have some pretty rational explanations of why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, that makes sense. I like, I think it's that para is like just such a key role, um, often underutilized. Um, 
especially if they're not a natural relationship builder, like you said, if they're not out and about, it's kind of, I mean, actually I'm going to step ahead here. What if, even if they are like doing their job, helping kids, how do you take them to the next step to doing the relationship building in addition to just simple academic assistance? Yeah. That's a good challenge. Um, so what do you, so we've all, when you back in the day, a year ago, and we, we were doing some of these episodes together and we were doing a few episodes about restorative practices. Those were really resonating with you and me. How, how would you describe the difference between relationship building and restorative practice? Is there one? What does it look like? Am I, is my talking to kids and connecting with them? Is that restorative practice or is absolutely? Yeah, because you're setting that foundation up to when you have to have those more difficult conversations that, you know, they're used to having conversation with you and talking. But I, when I looked at this question, when you sent it to me, I guess I was my initial thought was kind of like, well, classroom management is kind of that teacher within their own classroom. And the restorative practice really is a building culture, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, if I'm doing restorative practice in my classroom and and what I mean by restorative practice and and just on its most simplistic terms, just communicating with the child. And and like I said before, you know, if they won't do a signed task, making the time to have the conversation with that student is why they won't want to do it. So then you can provide a solution that both parties agree on. Mm. Then, um, you know, that's one thing. But it's another thing if if I try to have that conversation with that kid in my class and let's say it doesn't work and 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 it just can't be in my class for whatever reason it just I can't get him or her to do what they're supposed to do so I I call for help and that's when the administration comes to get them if they deal with that kid in a whole different way you know then that's that's not really restorative practice but if they take that kid out and they attempt to have the same conversation in the way that I'm having the conversation with them well now we're looking at more of a building culture kind of thing and now you can catch a kid in the hallway and boom you catch him and you and you stop him you're like hey um why are you running the hallway well cuz i got to get here i was like well, do you understand that when you run in the hallway it makes bobby Susie and Alice and Shaniqua really scared because what you're doing is causing a dangerous environment. And they, that's something they don't even think about. And they Mm -hmm. might not even really grasp it when I'm having a conversation with them. But if every single adult starts having a conversation with them in that way to try to put some kind of empathy within them. So they recognize how their behavior affects other people, then perhaps you can start to make a change. So, so, so back to what I said, you know, just, simple answer restorative practice is kind of like a culture of how everything is done and in classroom management is how it kind of works within the class but your classroom management is going to be all that much better if you're using the same strategies and the same techniques that that are happening building wide from Mm -hmm. from office staff to cafeteria worker to everybody everybody's talking to the kids in the same fashion eventually ideally some things some changes will happen sure so how do you feel, um, I don't know, you can speak to this admin brain or, or teacher brain, how long do you think it takes to really get a whole building to be behaving in this way, restorative practice? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't want to be negative, um, <clears throat> but it's certainly... Um, 
it's certainly a paradigm shift that that could take years. And, um, you know, as an administrator, whenever I tried to implement something new, my goal, my goal was always to, to kind of get those early adopters. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, teachers, sorry, you're in administrative role, Mr. Bartle, but teachers, they don't always buy into what administrators are saying because they think sure. they're too far, they think they're too far removed from the classroom yep. and they don't understand how it really is. Same with an instructional coach or anything like that. Um, but you know, if you can get um, one teacher to start doing it, you know, and then have that teacher share at professional development or at a staff meeting or, or something, and then maybe you know start to to broaden that and get one more at a time, you know. I don't know how long it would take. It, it would take years, but, but I know, and I even know that, and this is no offense to anybody that's listening right now, but I know that people are listening and are saying, I don't have time for this. And I get it. Sure. It does take a little bit of extra time, but the, the dividends are pretty, pretty large. So I, I can't give you a number on how long it takes. I just think yeah. that it would take a while. I see, I, I could definitely see that. I, I mean, our school district's been working on it for 10 years now. And, right. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say that we're a model uh, restorative practice district. Some no. schools are better than others. And you also, yeah, I, I don't know how you create that massive change to shift the tide because there's also, I'm just thinking about, there's even a bit of resistance in terms of when teachers see administrators behave restoratively, there's this frustration of, well, you didn't deal with them harshly or right and so you know but what right, i because see, because what we want to see as teachers when we're walking in the hall we want to see children on crucifixes hanging up right. above the lockers cowering right? in fear and we want to see those tears flowing because they finally understand that what they did was wrong and they'll never do it again because they don't want to hang on the wall anymore but if somehow um you know, for me as a teacher, my goal is for the behavior to change. Yep. Right. So if the behavior changes, I don't really care how it happened. You know, I mean, if, it, if, if the principal wants to suspend the kid and they come back fixed, then, then maybe that's a good consequence for that kid. I don't know. But if the principal can have a conversation with the kid, I can have a conversation with the kid. They understand exactly what they were doing. Because a lot of times when a kid, when I was in the office as an administrator, I'd sit down and be like, what'd you do? I don't know. (laughs) And and they didn't. They didn't know. Because all they were doing was acting the same way that they always act. And maybe the teacher was having a bad day, or maybe the teacher was making an example out of them. Um, so, but when I'm able to have that conversation and pull that teacher in and have a conversation, and now the two of us are talking with the kid about why their behavior is affecting the class negatively, then we can start making some, some positive direction. So as a teacher, if I've got a kid that is just being ridiculous and the principal and I sit down and visit with that kid and that kid's behavior changes, it's a win. I'm good. You gotta go. All right. Okay. Administration duties call. Good. I can edit that one out, maybe. Or we can have a long, awkward pause. Wait time. <laughs> Wait time's a good strategy. Wait time is a good one. 
So because it's you and me, we can be more casual here. So I'm at the end of the the questions really that I sent to you. Um, what if I'm a teacher, let's just think about like, what could teachers do to take that first step to be restorative, more restorative in their classroom? I think the first thing you need to do is be able to talk to students about the behavior and help them understand why what they are doing is affecting other people in the class, mm -hmm. you know? And if you have, and I know there's a big bunch of talk about circles and, and circles are great. I'm going to start my every day. I start my day off every day with those. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I have a question and we each share and we kind of get to know each other. But I guess the key is, is that if something happens throughout the day that is kind of even close to the question you talked about, you can say like, Hey, remember Ryan said that he really likes to do that. Well, that's what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so just, being able to tie that stuff together. But, you know, here's another thing that I do that I know is a little bit overboard, but I do it from my administrative lens is that I email every parent that I have every day to see, to, to let them know how their day went. And, uh, and I had a parent, um, I sent, I sent her a pretty long email about a bad day. And again, let me, let me reemphasize, I work at a behavior day school. So I, I only have four kids in my class, yeah. but trust me, it's, it's like having seven, but, um, you know, I could see myself doing this, even if I was a regular teacher and I had 25 kids, you know, I might email five kids as parents a day, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And just kind of have a, a tally sheet, but I, but I emailed this parent, this relatively, uh, I wasn't trying to be negative, but I was just saying, Hey, he had a bad day and this is kind of what happened. And this is what happened. And this is what happened. And, you know, she, she responded back maybe a little defensively saying, Hey, I, I don't understand. Cause I never see this problem at home. Um, blah, 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 you know? Um, and I said, and I responded, I said, I'm not trying to send you home an email and complain about your child's behavior because I also send home emails about positive things. I said, here's my hope that when you get those emails, that you will address the negative stuff that your student did, not give them consequences. I don't need you to punish them with their home. I just want you to address it. And I want you to praise them for the positive stuff I said they did. So mm -hmm. then as I am working throughout the day, I can be like, listen, and that's one of my relationships. I can be like, Ryan, you're having a great day, but you're kind of starting to slip. I've already planned this email in my head. I'm going to email your mom about how awesome you're doing. Please don't make me say he did awesome up until math. And then he got really, and then, and then he started exhibiting all these behaviors, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of times that gets them right back on task, task too, because they know that I have that open line of communication with the parent. All their parents have my cell phone number. They text me mm -hmm. and throughout the day, how's he doing, you know? And so, so I don't know. Um, I guess I forgot your question, but. Um, oh, I yeah. just was asking, what are the first steps a teacher could do to become more restorative? Yeah. I, I just, I really think that one thing that would be a great first step is that if they have the time to talk to the kid one-on-one -on -one to figure out why it is that they're upset, what is it specifically that you're upset about? And then ready to hear if the kid says, well, I'm upset because you did this, mm -hmm. right? If you're ready to accept that from a kid, 
then you can say, oh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that that offended you. Thank you for telling me. I'm going to put that in my little brain that that behavior upsets you and I'm going to try it a different way. Can we try to get back on task and we'll do it this way instead of that way? Just that simple conversation, because believe it or not, I mean, kids, they are people, you know, they're not little game pieces in our classroom that we move around and do everything we say they're people and if we talk to them like they're people we can learn a lot about them and learn how they tick and and figure out different ways of doing stuff that'll work more effectively with those specific students sure all right what else is new in your world that you want to share with our listeners that missed you so much oh can they still reach out to you through twitter it can. I'm not really on it very often. I did go make a Twitter post to say that I'm coming back on my own stomping grounds today, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I would certainly open those lines of communication. Uh, you know, I've really tried to, since I've kind of started this new chapter in my life to separate my professional life from my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how much I'm going to be on it in the evening time, but I might turn it on and and just for fun, see if anybody wants to say hi, they can reach me at Eric, E-R-I-C-H, J Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. That's my Twitter handle. You can uh, you can reach me out there, reach out to me for any kind of ideas. I'm always looking for friends. That's one of the biggest things I miss about being on this podcast is the networking that I was able mm-hmm. to, um, to create, specifically yeah. with our homeboys in New Jersey. So... Yeah. Uh, David Frangiosa and uh, my gosh, what's the other guy's name? Oh God, I forgot myself. Don't be offended. I haven't been on there for a year. Anyway, a big pause. We can edit it back in. It's the one that had us on that ed. Well, there's Chris Nessie. Chris Nessie, he's a big guy, big podcast. And then the other one, he shares that that when they had us on. Yeah, Chris. His name's Chris. He's awesome. New Jersey, assistant principal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, networking is important. I'll tell you what, and as an administrator, I learned so much following so many different people on Twitter. Um, you know, Twitter is, I mean, you got to take the bad with the good. You got some people that are just out there trying to inflate their own egos, but there's some really good information out there and it's a great way to connect. So um, yeah, I'd be yeah. certainly open to communicating with anybody that wanted to reach out. Excellent. Any parting thoughts for us? I don't. I just, you know, just looking at my little setup with my Yeti microphone. And, uh, you know, I just kind of I missed this. I've missed having the opportunity to talk about education. Uh, you know, as a teacher, sometimes you, you just get kind of lost in your own world and in your classroom. So I appreciate you having me on there, Ryan, because uh, it was nice to to just vomit ideas out you know i'm gonna yeah. go back and listen to this podcast and maybe i sounded like an idiot or or maybe it spurred some ideas for me to get better myself um so appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk hope to do it again all right everybody we will see you next week when the topic is to be determined i need to jump back into blockchain in education uh, we also have some incoming guests uh that I will reveal later, but we have a couple people in the loop trying to figure out dates and stuff, and uh, we'll keep you in loop about those as well. So we'll see you next time. Bye.